Heavenly Father, true fountain of light and wisdom, shed the brightness of your light upon the darkness of our understanding. By your Holy Spirit, we ask you to disperse the twofold darkness of sin and ignorance in which we were born. You who give power, the power of speech even to small children, therefore I ask you to instruct my tongue and pour forth the wisdom of your grace. Grant us acuteness in understanding of what we read and power to retain it and wisdom to discern its true meaning. We pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You may be seated. Please open your, your scriptures with me to Psalm 91, where we will start reading tonight from verse 1, so that we will um, try to understand the reasons that we have to be courageous in this life. Psalm 91 Starting with verse 1, let us pay attention to God's word. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. A thousand may fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. You will only look with your eyes and see the recompense of the wicked. Because you have made the Lord your dwelling place, the Most High, who is my refuge, no evil shall be allowed to befall on you, no plague come near your tent. For he will command his angels concerning you to guard you in all your ways. On their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against a stone. You will tread on the lion and, and the adder, the young lion and the serpent you will trample underfoot. Because he holds fast to me in love, I will deliver him. I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Amen. What is courage? Our culture portrays courage to uh, circumstances that tie to very specific situations. When we think of courage, we often think of the soldier who's courageous, who's fearless, and he fights on the battlefield. He fights the enemy. Uh, we think of the passerby who sees someone in the water and is courageous to jump in and save that person from drowning. We think of the police detectives who are courageous and they search and catch criminals. We think of the firefighter who, firefighters who risk their lives to save, save people from burning houses. And all these cultural images of courage are valid. All these things are very good. These are courageous acts. 
But how relevant are all these things for us? Uh, in our culture, whenever we talk about courage, we usually think about extraordinary situations. And those situations are situations that we do not really encounter in our daily life. Then what does courage mean for us, ordinary people? Uh, do we have any chance to be courageous in this life? If you are not a soldier fighting on the battlefield, if you are not a firefighter saving people from fire, then how can you live a life of courage? What does it mean to have courage if you have an ordinary, boring life? Today we look at Psalm 91 to understand the acts and bravery and courage which are for all of us. Even though we might not be in extraordinary circumstances, by faith we are called to courage. How is this possible? Because God protects us in victory over all threats, we are called to live courageously by faith. Courage is an attitude of confidence and determination that helps us fulfill our vocations, our responsibilities. And even if you're not a soldier, even if you're not a firefighter, uh, we still have vocations in this life. And courage means to persevere fulfilling those vocations and responsibilities we have in spite of all those negative circumstances, despite of all the threats. Imagine that you call 911 because there's a fire in your home. Now what would happen if when the firefighters come, they say, oh, there's, there's no point in doing anything. The flames are too high. The fire is too hot. If we start doing something, maybe we'll run out of water. So we'll just let the fire burn everything. Do you want a firefighter like that to come when you call 911 because your house is on fire? No, you want someone who's courageous, who'll go in and who'll put out that fire. Whenever we are afraid of difficulties, whenever we are afraid of dangers, we do not fulfill our vocations. We are cowards. We lack courage. And this does not apply only to firefighters. It also applies to all of us. Because God protects us in victory over all threats, we are called to abandon our cowardice and live courageously by faith. And tonight we look to Psalm 91 to understand how we can gain this courage by faith. Why can we have courage through faith. First, we have courage because we have a great God. We have a great God. This psalm begins by praising the might of our infinite God. We have an almighty God, the Most High, and our courage to live by faith in obedience to God comes because we have this almighty care in the terms of our protection. He who dwells 
in the shelter of the Most High, will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say to the Lord, my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. The psalmist praises God for being strong, strong like a fortress. God protects us like a fortress protects people who take refuge in there. We can hide in God. We can find refuge in God. He's great. He's strong. We are not called to courage because we would be able to be smart and strong. No, we, most of the times we are dumb and we are weak. We have courage because although it is possible for bad things to happen to us, although it is possible for us to be weak and to fail, we have courage because we can take refuge in the strength, in the power of God, in His greatness. So when we understand God's greatness, then we have confidence to fulfill our vocations as God requires us. We begin to understand that our escape is not in the craftiness that we come up with, but in the greatness of our God. Because God is the greatest, because God is almighty, we begin to put God first in our mind. We start remembering of our almighty God who protects us. What does this mean? It means that we, when we are overwhelmed by life, when we have dilemmas in fulfilling our vocations and duties, when we are afraid of something, we must turn our attention to God. We must remember God. Because if we focus only on ourselves, if we focus only on our problems, we will be cowards and we will not be able to do what is right. Not to turn towards God, not to call on God, to live as if you don't have a great God, it means to be a practical atheist. True faith, trust in God, is reflect, reflected in courageous living. Not a perfect living. We're not able to perfectly apply what we know rightly about God. But understanding the attributes of God, understanding who God is, this understanding transforms our lives. When we understand God's infinite power, when we understand God's love and mercy for us, then we will start acting based on this understanding, based on this trust. Why we can have courage by faith? First, because we have a great God, and second, because our problems are smaller than God. Our problems are smaller than God. The psalmist here in this psalm presents horrible dangers as if they are small and altogether nothing before God. Psalmist says, For he will deliver you from the snare of the fowler and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with his pinions, and under his wings 
you will find refuge. His faithfulness is a shield and buckler. You will not fear the terror of the night, nor the arrow that flies by day, nor the pestilence that stalks in darkness, nor the destruction that wastes at noonday. The psalmist here in this psalm names a lot of dangers, uh, a lot of things that we are all afraid of. Uh, disease, war, natural disasters. We are afraid of these things because all these things are stronger than us. They're greater than us. They can defeat us. But are they greater than God? Are they stronger than God? What should we do when we see danger approaching? You just run in any, any direction, just seeking to escape through your own wisdom and your own power. We often seek another escape, another escape than God. And we often choose sin because we see a, a little God and we believe that our problems are greater than God. We often see sin as the solution to our problems. And consciously or not, we say to ourselves, God is small, he's weak, he cannot help me, he doesn't really know what he's talking about, I know better what the solution is. For every danger, there seems to be a sinful escape. What if you realize that you don't have enough money? You don't make enough money. Uh, it is a real problem. You can end up bankrupt. You can uh, end up homeless. It is a, a real danger. And if you focus only on the problem, you will start seeing it bigger and bigger. And if you look only at the problem, then you look for sinful solutions. You can steal for, from someone who has more money. You can cheat on your taxes and uh, break the laws and make more money. Uh, but if you turn your attention to God, you'll understand not only what is right and what is wrong, but also why you can trust that God will not let you die of hunger. Why he, you can understand why God cares for us, why we can be confident in Him. What if you realize that school is too difficult and you don't have enough time to study and to prepare your papers? Um, you're in danger. Your grades won't be that great and maybe that will prevent you from enjoying future opportunities. So what can you do? You can cheat, you can cut corners, you can plagiarize. But if you turn your attention to God, you learn not only why you have the duty to obey your parents and your teachers, but also why you can be confident in God who will guide you in life, who is with you and who will protect you. What if you realize that it is difficult to get married and spend the rest of your life with just one person? Uh, what if you want different things in life? Uh, what if you like someone else in a few years? What's the quick solution? Just move in with someone. Just live with someone for a while, uh, live in sexual immorality. Otherwise, you risk remaining unfulfilled, alone, or you commit to something and then you fail. 
But if you turn your attention to God, you will understand not only the, the duty we have to live either married or in chastity, but beyond that, we understand why we can trust God, why we can trust His guidance and protection in our family life. These are just a few examples that show that our sin often comes from fear, comes in our life because we do not trust a great God. We seek solution in sin because we are afraid. And maybe you don't have these problems, but you can take a moment to think about your sin. Our sin is always a, a desperate and cowardly attempt to solve a problem without trusting in God, without remembering how great our God is, how the, all these problems are smaller than God. Escape is not in sin. In sin, there's no protection, there's no rest. Sin is not the solution. In sin, there is only more danger. The psalmist presents those who live in sin as being under the condemnation of God. Sin is not the way out. By embracing sin, we only dig ourselves a deeper hole. In all the dilemmas and decisions of life, we either have faith and we seek our escape in God, or we don't have faith and we seek our escape in sin. Because God is eternal and omnipotent, because He is greater than our problems, we must neither fall into despair nor seek other solutions through sin. All these problems that come against us, they're smaller than God who is with us. And God is with us not only as our Creator, but also as our Savior. He became God incarnate to be with us, to lead us. That's why when we see dangers approaching, when we see problems arising on the horizon, we should not fear because God is with us and He is greater than our problems. Why can we have courage through faith? First, because we have a great God. Second, because our problems are smaller than God. And third, because Christ guarantees to us the protection of Psalm 91. Christ guarantees for us this protection that we read about in Psalm 91. When we read these verses, at first we might find them quite odd. Does this really apply to anyone? Uh, who has this protection? Uh, seems to be some kind of bulletproof, disease-proof shield that protects you from bacteria, viruses... Arrows flying in the air, um, snakes and lions trying to bite you. A thousand might fall at your side, ten thousand at your right hand, but it will not come near you. Who does this apply to? Uh, who has this protection? Saul says, I will protect him because he knows my name. When he calls to me, I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. I will rescue him and honor him. With long life, I will satisfy him and show him my salvation. Where is this salvation? Where is this promise? 
who does this apply to? The devil applies it to Jesus. When Jesus is tempted in the wilderness, the devil tells him, throw yourself from the temple, you'll be fine because... And the devil quotes Psalm 91. But Jesus was crucified, and the, the, the nails and the spear did really pierce him. He died. Where's this protection? Uh, Jesus applies this to his disciples when he sends them in a ministry and tells them in Luke 10, Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. We don't know what happened in those days, but we know that uh, the disciples had failures. They had suffering, and the Apostle Paul then describes his sufferings in great detail in his letters. Uh, the apostles and the ministers of the church are not exempt from dangers and suffering. Where is this protection? The author of the epistle to the Hebrews seemed to apply Psalm 91 to all Christians, when he says that angel, the angels are ministering spirits sent out to serve for the sake of those who are to inherit salvation. Uh, then why didn't the angels stop the slaughter of Christians in the first centuries? Uh, why didn't the angels close the mouths of lions and beasts so that their teeth would not pierce Christians? Where is this protection of Psalm 91? It seems to be a protection that is missing. It seems to be a wonderful promise that was not kept. Has God failed his church? Has God forsaken us? If Christ promised this protection to his church, then where is it? Is this psalm proof that the Christian faith is just daydreaming, just wishful thinking? The protection we have in Christ is even greater than the one described in Psalm 91. In fact, the words of Psalm 91 don't come even near in describing the protection we enjoy in Christ. Our problem is much greater than the, the lions and their sharp teeth. What would you gain if the lions can't eat you, but you live a long life, you die of old age and you remain dead under the curse of death forever. What Christ secures for us is not a temporary shield that protects us from temporary dangers, but an eternal safe haven in the resurrection of the dead, in life everlasting, in him whose kingdom shall have no end. That's how the power of all these dangers is gone. That's why the martyrs are not afraid of the teeth of the lions. The power of all these things to end our life is gone. They do kill our body, but they do not end our life. That's how we gain courage by faith. We understand that our great God has become man to defeat death. In order that death and all these dangers that bring death will never overcome us. We trust in this resurrection and when we understand this victory of Christ, everything else, all those dangers, 
they drop in the background. All these dangers become muted, blurred, because we realize the greatness of the resurrection. Because God protects us from all these dangers, not with a temporary fix, but in the victory of the resurrection, we are called to live courageously by faith. If you are a soldier or a firefighter, that's wonderful. But you don't have to be a soldier or a firefighter to be brave on a daily basis. If you're in Christ, you're secure, and you can live courageously, obeying God in face of dangers and threats. Courage, Christian courage, means to, to love your family, to be faithful to your spouse, to honor your parents, to work hard in your workplace, to live a quiet life, to worship God with his people, in spite of all the other reasons we'd have not to do so. Faith in Christ brings courage in our life and enables us to live fruitful lives in the midst of a dry and fruitless wilderness. And every week, Christ assures us of this protection. We are sealed in the victory of his death and resurrection. Our faith is strengthened through word and sacrament so that we would grow in courage. Jesus said to his disciples, In the world you'll have tribulation, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Because he is victorious, because he shares his victory with us, we are called to trust him, to be confident and courageous in him. Remember the resurrection. All this all this protection is secured for us in the resurrection of Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for not leaving us alone in this broken world. We praise you for sending your Son to defeat death and save us from the curse of sin. We thank you for the victory we have in Christ. And we ask you to give us confidence in your salvation so that trusting in your grace, we might love you with all our heart and love our neighbor as we love ourselves. Lord, we pray, remove fear from our minds and comfort us in the hope of our resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.